Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Worship at Hillhead. Whether you're in Glasgow or somewhere else around the UK or around the world, our service this morning will be led by our minister Katrina, and it's the first in a series entitled "Being Baptist." Our musicians this morning are Paul on keyboard, George on cello, and Neil on trumpet. In a moment or two, Esther and David and their family will be lighting a candle. So if you'd like to do the same, that's your cue to do that. And just a wee reminder that we'll be sharing communion later in this service. So please have something ready to eat and drink when we reach that point in service. Then although there is no evening service this evening, at 4pm we're all invited to join a special online service for Climate Sunday from Glasgow Cathedral. You'll find the link to this service in the email I sent out yesterday. Next Sunday at 11am, the Reverend Dr Ian Birch will read the second in this series on being Baptist. And immediately after that service, we'll take a quick break and then we're all invited to attend our AGM and church meeting. That will also, of course, be on Zoom. So look out for an email with the agenda and the other papers later this week. And finally, next Sunday at 7pm, evening services begin again, and that service will be led by Rebecca Gebauer. But now it's time for Esther and David to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together for the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glance Christ like this day.
And so having sung God's praises, let's come to God in prayer. We come to you, our triune God, creator and recreator of all life, redeemer and sustainer of all that is broken or disordered, sustainer and energizer of all that has potential to grow and flourish. We come to you as your much-loved children, each one called by name, each one uniquely gifted, each one full of potential. We come to you as your flawed followers, each having experienced sadness, each having known struggle and disappointment, each able to hurt and to be hurt. We come to you as your called disciples, each seeking to learn more about you, each learning to learn more from you, each committing to walk with you. As we come to you now, open our minds to fresh discoveries, open our hearts to deeper love, open our lives to live the hope we profess in the name of Christ. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.
We listen for the word of God, first of all, from Matthew chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And from Galatians chapter 3. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves in Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Often asserted, although it can never be proved, that Oscar Wilde, arriving at a customs point in the US of A, was asked, have you anything to declare? And replied, I have nothing to declare except my genius. It's an amusing anecdote, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish I could be quick enough of wit to think of, of something to say to those in authority when they ask you annoying or irritating questions. Although never mess with a security guard at an airport. There are plenty of tales of what goes wrong when people say, oh yes, I've got a gun in this violin case. But it's a good question, isn't it? Have you anything to declare? You could ask it of an individual. You could ask it of a family. You could ask it of a church or as in the case in what we're going to look at this morning, a union of churches, a group of churches in covenant together. It's no secret that I enjoy Baptist history, but I suspect most people wouldn't. So I'm not going to regale you this morning with how we came to have 
a declaration of principle. But suffice it to say that the earliest Baptists worked out fairly quickly that they could spend an awful lot of time debating the creeds and the confessions that had grown up amongst Christians and working out who to exclude. Or they could take a different approach and think about something that is, in theory anyway, more inclusive, that's not about a set of doctrines to which we sign up, but rather a short set of principles that will inform our lives. I sometimes get into trouble when I say Baptists don't do creeds, but we don't. We may, as individual Baptist Christians, adhere to all or some of the what is contained in the traditional creeds of the churches. But what unites us as Baptists is this declaration of principle. Now, not all Baptist unions across the world and, and conventions have a declaration of principle, but throughout the British Isles, the three largest groupings, the Baptist Union of Scotland, the Baptist Union of Wales, and the Baptist of Uni Union of Great Britain, for which read England, Wales, and a teeny bit of Scotland, um, are united by effectively the same words. There's some subtle differences in the Scottish version, but nothing to get excelled excited about. And this declaration of principle is firmly rooted in what we often call the Great Commission, the words that Anne just read from it for us. What, according to Matthew, are the last words that Jesus spoke to his followers before he left them to get on with the job. Clause one of the Declaration of Principle reads thus, and this is the Bugby BUW version that I'm going to use because theologically it suits me better. Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, is the sole and absolute authority in all matters pertaining to faith and practice, as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. And each church has liberty under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to interpret and administer his laws. When Jesus opens his mouth to speak to his disciples one last time, the first thing he does is to state his authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so that's where we as Baptist followers of Jesus begin. Our ultimate authority is not the Bible. It is Jesus. Now, I get that that's kind of a theological nicety, because where do we meet Jesus primarily, but through the record in the scriptures? But it is him not the printed word that is our authority. And that's actually, dare I say, quite a charismatic understanding because we say the Holy Spirit gives us as individual Christians and individual communities of Christians the ability to interpret and administer Christ's laws. In other words, in plain English, right from the beginning, Baptists have recognised the importance of context, but where we are, the age in which we live, the people amongst whom we express our belief are really important for us as we seek to follow Jesus. There's nothing abstract about following Jesus. It's earthy, it's rooted, it's potentially very messy, 
And what we as Hillhead Baptist Church in September 2021 might, guided by God's spirit, understand could be very different from what they as Hillhead Baptist Church in October 1883 understood. And yet we are still one church. And what we at Hillhead Baptist Church might be different in some measure from what, for example, Knightswood Baptist Church or Adelaide Place Baptist Church or my old church in Hugglescoe or Ruth's church in Manchester interpret the scriptures. That liberty and authority are central to who we are. But with that comes a really important subtlety called provisionality. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school too much when I remember that Miss Allen always believed that, you know, she was the one that was, that was right here. But there was that twinkle in her eye. And she would know that actually she might be wrong and you might be right. As Baptist believers, we never think we've got the last word nailed down. We're constantly open to God revealing us new insight, new truths. We know there are timeless truths that come from Jesus. Jesus himself said, you should love God. You should love your neighbour as you love yourself. That's the heart of it. We hold on to that. But what that looks like has to be worked out locally. We have freedom. We have autonomy. We have interconnectedness. And with all of that comes responsibility. The second clause of the Declaration of Principle is perhaps the one that most overtly marks out Baptists as different from a lot of the other ancient Christian traditions. Christian baptism is the immersion in water into the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit of those who have professed repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for our sins according to the scripture, was buried and rose again on the third day. Right from the first Baptist from Smith and Helwes, who vacated England to go to the Netherlands for a while, our mode of baptism and our belief of what baptism is has been significant. Now, a lot of energy and hot air goes into how much water that you should use. Must you be immersed? It says here that we believe immersion is the normal mode of baptism. But actually, that's not true across the world. There are Baptists across the world for whom water is far too precious a commodity to waste on dunking somebody in it. So, for example, I remember reading about some churches in Asia that dig a grave, line it with fabric and soak that fabric in water. And the person climbs down into the grave, lies down and they sprinkle them with a little bit more water as they make their baptism promises. And then they get up and climb out the grave. The symbolism of dying and rising in Christ is still there. The amount of water actually is secondary. But I think the key for Baptist understanding of baptism is it's something we choose to do. Now, I do have a low theology of baptism. I don't view it as a sacrament. I view it as a discipleship right. Other Baptists will and do differ on that. But we do it primarily because Jesus invites us to do it. In fact, he commands us to do it. We believe you can't do it to somebody. 
we believe it's best done when somebody requests it. One of the most beautiful things, most beautiful descriptions of baptism, I think, comes in that passage that Brian read for us from the letter to the church, the Galatian church. It says, in baptism, something changes. So maybe there is a kind of ontological change that even a low theology person like me has to accept. When we are baptised, all human constructs become irrelevant. Doesn't matter, says the apostle, whether you were formerly a Jew or a Gentile. Nationhood, politics, irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you were a slave or free. What job you do, what education you have, doesn't matter. These things are of earth, not of Christ. And lastly, the one that perhaps in our age is the most relevant and the most controversial Male and female are irrelevant categories. Gender, sexuality, sex, whatever phrase you prefer to use for those things, irrelevant in Christ. We are all one in Christ. Now, importantly, that doesn't mean that we are kind of beige and the same. Rather, it means a delight in the diversity. We delight to have people of different nationalities and different political opinions. We delight to have people who clean floors and people who are internationally renowned specialists in their own field and everywhere in between. We delight to have men and women and straight and gay and trans and questioning at any other place on that spectrum or any other spectrum that can be used to describe human identity. Baptists believe in a baptism that is fundamentally inclusive, not exclusive. And I think that's an important thing for us to hold on to. And then clause number three, the shortest one of the three. It is the duty of every disciple to bear personal witness to the gospel of Christ and to take part in the evangelization of the world. This is the call to mission, the call that Jesus made to his followers to go out into the world and share the good news, to teach people what it means to follow him and to reshape earth more fully to look like heaven. That Lord's Prayer that we pray every week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Or the vision in Revelation that I I know I talk about far too much, the new or renewed heaven and earth. That's the hope that lies at the centre of mission. And that's what Jesus calls us to be part of. Whether that's here in Glasgow in the office or the hospital or the shop, or whether it is in Nepal or Africa or USA or anywhere else in the world. Baptists, of course, are called to evangelism to encourage others to explore our faith in Christ. But it's more than that. Evangelization is much bigger than purely evangelism. We're called to be prophets. We're called to recognize and call out injustice, call out what is wrong in our world, 
and as God would say, to speak hope, an alternative vision for how our world could be. There's a hymn we often sing that uses a phrase which I just think sums up perfectly what we are called to do, what evangelization looks like. We're called to use the faith we have found to reshape the world around, as of course Christ is in us and in each other. So if we were to go back to that first question, have you something to declare as Baptist Christians? What could it be that Baptist Christians would say to Christians of other traditions and to the world, and perhaps importantly to ourselves? I hope there would be something about the centrality of Jesus Christ, his life and his teaching, his death and resurrection. I really hope it would be about inclusion and diversity, liberty and accountability, contextual sensitivity and gracious provisionality. I think I must have swallowed a dictionary when I typed this bit. I think it would be something about justice and peace, about care for creation, about equity of opportunity and about freedom of conscience. I hope too it will be something about gentleness and forgiveness, about not just second chances or 490th chances, but endless chances, that it's okay to mess up, it's okay to get it wrong, because what matters is that we try to follow Jesus. So it would be something about living each day as best as we can, the values and life of the incoming kingdom for which we pray. That's hard. That's challenging. So we need to remind ourselves of the final words that Jesus said before he left his followers. He promised I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Let's remind us of that hope and rededicate ourselves to the one in whom we locate that hope and all authority, our saviour and teacher, Jesus.
And so now we do as Jesus taught us, and we pray for the world of which we're part. Let's pray together. Jesus, you tell us that all authority and in heaven and on earth is yours. This gives us confidence to approach you boldly in prayer. Naming our concerns for the world of which we are part and pledging ourselves to do our bit in bringing these hopes to reality. This week, as so many weeks, we are weighed down by the deep sadness and confusion of a world where suffering and sorrow seem endless. Like many others, we watched helpless as the final flights left Kabul, leaving behind people of many nationalities, faiths and worldviews, who now face a future characterised by fear and uncertainty, probable violence and almost inevitable hardship. Like many others, we have seen the scenes of devastation caused by natural and human disaster, from wildfires and floods to explosions, street violence and ongoing pandemic disease, always seemingly one step ahead of even the most diligent administrations. What is good news for these places and for these people? We give you thanks for people of all faiths and none committed to humanitarian aid efforts, often in places of which we will never hear. Especially, we thank you for our siblings in Christ who serve with Christian Aid and BMS World Mission, reaching out across national boundaries, working with local partners, and always seeking to bring new life and new hope to the poorest and most at-risk peoples on our planet. This week, BMS draw our attention to ongoing crises affecting people fleeing from Lebanon, Afghanistan and Chad. And a new programme working with people arriving as refugees in Greece. God of peace and new beginnings. We pray for this important overseas work and for the work of refugee and similar organisations as they support and advocate for those who arrive in our land, often with nothing other than the clothes they stand up in. We give you thanks for the access we have to all kinds of healthcare free at the point of delivery, through the whole of life. As NHS services continue to be stretched, with inevitable short and long-term implications, <coughs> we pray for all those whose work it is to make impossibly complicated decisions. For those who care for people who are ill or injured, and for those whose work is completely invisible to us. God of healing and wholeness. We pray for all who work in health and social care, 
and for patients and residents who rely on their skill, wisdom and compassion. We give thanks to the Baptist Union of Scotland, especially for the ways in which the staff work tirelessly to serve churches with advice, guidance, information and resources. This week, we're asked to pray for the Scottish Lay, Baptist, Lay Preachers Association, Scottish Lay Baptist Lay Preachers Association, whose ministry is valued by so many small congregations across our land. And we pray also for the churches at Leslie, Leven in Fife, and for Lerwick in the Shetlands, each of them seeking to share good news where they are and facing unique challenges as they face this new season. God of faith and hope, we pray for these local churches as they hear your voice in worship and preaching and as they seek to live out the good news in their everyday lives. We give you thanks to the children and young people who are part of our church here at Hillhead and for those who carefully and creatively nurture their spirituality and faith, especially in this ongoing challenging time. We thank you for every single person who chooses to be part of our extended community, celebrating the diversity and uniqueness of each one. Especially today, we pray for Clifford, Ed P, Jean and Walter, Paul, Rico, Ailey and Leo, Rachel F and family, Katrina H and Ben, Rachel H. God in community, creating, redeeming and sustaining. We pray for each other and for ourselves that we might know ourselves welcomed and accepted just as we are, that we might grow and flourish as together we discover more of what it means to be disciples of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.
1883, a new Baptist congregation was founded in the expanding Hillhead area of Glasgow and from the outset sought to include rather than exclude. Recognising and respecting the baptism of other Christian traditions with open membership and an open communion table. Nowadays, we might describe them as pioneers, doing something new and different. Nowadays, we might see their values as prophetic, seeing a new vision of God's hope. Nowadays, we build on the foundations that they laid, seeking to continue to bear witness in our own time. Today, we find ourselves once again cast in the role of pioneers, doing things that are new and different. Today, we find ourselves once more called to be prophetic, 
as we live out the values to which we aspire. Today, we lay the foundations of those who will come after us, continuing to bear witness in an age yet to come. In 2021, this Baptist congregation seeks to include rather than exclude recognises and respects the baptism of other Christian traditions, maintains open membership and hosts an open communion table to which all, faithful and doubter, saint and sinner, are equally welcome. For in Christ, nationality, race, education and politics are irrelevant. In Christ, wealth, status, fame or infamy count for nothing. In Christ, all categories with potential to include, exclude or other another person are removed. For in Christ, true equity is found. So, as equal members of the body of Christ, we gather to remember the story that unites us. Fisherman and tax collector, zealous nationalist and collaborator with an occupying nation, outspoken and silent, full of questions, of love. This diverse community gathered around a single table in a borrowed room. On the night of his arrest, Jesus, in the company of his followers, named and unnamed, shared a final meal. Taking bread, he blessed it, broke it and said, see this? It represents my body, which will be broken. When you eat it, remember me. Lifting a cup of wine, he blessed it and said, and see this. It represents my blood, which will be spilled. When you drink wine, remember me. Since then, Faithful believers have debated the meaning of the words, have quarrelled over who may speak, who may eat, and who may drink. But Jesus says, you are my broken body. You are my spilled blood. So when you eat and drink, you reconnect with one another. You put my body back together. You live my resurrection life. And so following the example of Jesus, let us now pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the vision of our forebears who planted this congregation. 
We thank you for those who in this and in other places have nurtured us in faith. And we thank you especially for the mystery of connection as we share in food and drink. As we do so, may we find new energy and new hope for our lives of service. Amen. Jesus took the bread, broke it, and he shared it with his followers. This is my body, he said, which is for you. Do this to remember me. Jesus took a cup of wine and he blessed it and he shared it with his friends. He said, this is my blood. In fact, this is the sign and seal of the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink it, remember me. All authority in heaven and on earth is yours, Lord Jesus. May we, who are part of your body across this nation and around the world, live the truths you teach us as we seek to serve you wherever we are. Amen.
as our time of worship ends, our service of Christ continues. And we hear these words from the letter to the church in Ephesus in the message paraphrase as a blessing. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. To stay together both inwardly and outwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. And so may our triune God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, Bless us today and every day. Amen.